Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Back and better than ever on a game week of all times. A little hiatus, injury to my partner, but now we're back and ready to roll. And it's a uh, it's a game week for uh, for Ryan Day. I wanted to start with something, though, that over the weekend as, we, as you go into game week here. And that is Urban Meyer is going to be omnipresent uh, with this football season. Yeah. He dominated over the weekend with these with the Michigan comments, with the uh, comments about the lack of depth quarterback at Ohio State, all of, I mean, some of which I love, some of which was true, which you've kind of thought. The Heather Dinich piece uh, today that I saw on ESPN where he basically outlines like what he does and how he doesn't wake up sometimes without purpose. He shows up at Florida and he's wearing Gator shirts, which is kind <laughs> of unsettling, uh, but you know, it's part <laughs> of the reality. And now today he's, I, I saw that he's going to be on the B, on BTN. So yeah. Like Ryan Day is coaching in a pretty damn big shadow to begin with. And now it appears that Urban Meyer is going to be the voice, one of the voices and faces of college football and all the while still working at Ohio State and advising Ryan Day. So if you could make sense of all of this, I would love for you to, sir, because I don't think I I can. I mean, I don't know that I can either. He's kind of like the ghost of Christmas past. He's just kind of, you know, hovering over the program and and just. You know, it's it's weird because, you know, at Ohio State especially, right, when you have an outgoing coach, it's usually because they, like, had this acrimonious, terrible split. And, and while, you know, I wouldn't argue that Urban Meyer, you know, had the most peaceful transition and that he was super willing to walk out the door and all that stuff, it was definitely different than what happened with Jim Trestle or – you know, John Cooper or or Bruce or Woody Woody Hayes. So yeah, yeah, it's real different. And you didn't see like, for example, you don't see Jim Trestle during the Urban Meyer years, just kind of hanging around, making sure nobody screwed Mm -hmm. anything up, like showing up occasionally with the ABC or something. You know, you didn't see John Cooper, you know, making sure that Jim Trestle was looking over his shoulder on like, you know, when he was getting an eight and four season or something. So it's, it's really weird. Um, I don't know how I'm going to be able to deal with it personally. Cause I'm just, you know, you turn on the post game reaction stuff. And there's Urban Meyer going like, well, I don't know. And then everybody's winking at him and nudging him like, Hey, you know, USC get back in the game. It to me is just a very weird situation. Um, yeah. I don't want to say Urban Meyer go away. Cause like he can do whatever he wants, but it's, just, it, it doesn't seem helpful, I guess, to have him. Kind I don't of think you can around. do both. I don't think you can be both advising Ryan Day and around the program and have an office at Ohio no. State and then on a Saturday say that there's an enormous difference between Justin Fields and those behind him. Right. Which is true. That's fine. But he is at practice. I've seen him like advising Ryan. He still works at Ohio State. He recruited many of the players. Now, he didn't recruit the two kids behind Fields, but you still, you, I mean, to me, now Ryan Day on Tuesday is going to be asked about Urban's comments of the quarterbacks behind Fields. That's a question. It's fair. Yeah, it's a fair question, and Ryan is going to have to answer it. So it's like to me, you either have to be all in, and I know he's trying to fill the void in his life. He's scrambling, sure. trying to fill the void in his life. Like what's his what's his why? What's his purpose? So I get it. I mean, I I I think it's very difficult, which is why I've said all along I think he'll be coaching football again probably very soon because it's all he knows. Um, So you can try filling it with all this TV stuff. And by the way, he's very good at it. If you listen to his, his stuff over the weekend on Fox, not just on us and on Michigan, uh, but also on, on Bama and Clemson. I mean, he's, he's very good at it and he's completely unguarded just as he always was with the media. But in order to be good at that job, that's how you've got to be. So that could lead to criticism of Ryan day or Justin Fields or whatever, or even criticism of a rival and putting the Ohio state current coach where you're still employed in the position of having to answer for you. It's very awkward. I think it's why when Bowden left Florida state, he moved, he lived in Tallahassee for 40 years and he moved to Birmingham. Like, right. He moved out of town. You got to separate yourself. You got to separate yourself. And even and and look, Yes, you're not going to be in Columbus all the time and things like that. But it's just, to me, it is such an awkward, weird situation. And if you're going to be media, that's great. Be media. But be media. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. hover around the program. Don't make comments do. about stuff, you know, extemporaneously. And it, just 
stick with the media aspect of it and do that. And that's fine. I don't think anybody's going to fault Urban Meyer for, you know, if he says something negative about Ohio state or, you know, has a critique that's, you know, really like, you know, kind of cutting or something like that. that's fine. If that's your role, that's fine. But if you're going to do this kind of like double thing, I don't, you know, for Ryan day in Ohio state, you know, it just felt like last season, there was so much of a cloud that the team was playing under, which yep. was really unfair. And you know, you don't want to have that again when the guy's not even coaching anymore. So I I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but it just creates an awkward situation from time to time when he, you know, when he's there present during practice and, and you know, games and stuff like that. Yeah. And it puts the guy who you're trying to replace, who you said over the weekend was handpicked by you and Gene Smith. Right. You know, it puts that right. guy in the position of having to answer for you as if it wasn't hard enough. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a challenge. And I, I just think if you're not still employed at Ohio state and you don't have an office, then it's fine. Then, then I don't think it's anything. <laughs> um, yeah. so it, I think it's going to be unsettling. He's trying to mend fences. He's trying to repair legacies. He, you heard him last week. He was talking about, you know, his, his favorite year was 2004, I think at Utah. And he said, his, mm -hmm. you know, the best game day atmosphere was the swamp at night early in the season. Um, so it, he's clearly trying to mend fences at previous places so that, you right. know, maybe you can get honored. You want to be able to be honored and go, you know, have reunions with former teams and stuff like that. So I think that's what he's, you know, doing. I mean, he sat next to Spurrier at the game on Saturday night. You can't get more Florida than that. You know, I mean, Spurrier's, <laughs> if Spurrier gives you the touch, then you've got the touch. So that's, I think all of it is, is kind of planned, but I think that there's kind of a miss here a little bit with still trying to like be an Ohio state employee and helping out like, you know, women's lacrosse. And and then also like with football. So it's a he's in an awkward spot and I think it hangs over Ryan Day. And so I think as you look as we go forward now to this is the Ryan Day program. In fact, Urban, even in one of these things, said, you know, it's the same strength coach, same CEO, same recruiting coordinator, same this. And I'm like, geez, man, like, <laughs> dude, I don't know. I just think him commenting on Ohio State is we all know that all of that stuff is true. But him yeah. commenting on Ohio State, I think is going to be a little awkward. And I think it'll be I think it'll be tough for Ryan Day having to replace a legend already. And then that legend being thrown in your face over and over again, Ryan yes. day uh, will open the season Saturday. He'll open against FAU at noon in the shoe um, in terms of permanent head coaches. The last two um, who are both well soon hall of famers. And if not, as, I mean, as soon as eligible Tressel and urban Tressel's opener at Ohio state was a 28, 14 win over Akron, which Johnny, if there was ever uh, a score and a game that, <laughs> <laughs> to me, epitomizes Trestle and Ohio State. It's 28-14 over Akron in the opener. I felt like I saw that game 75 times, didn't you? Oh, my Wasn't God. Wasn't that every year was that game? You know what? I think or like Jim Trestle, look, if Jim Trestle could win every game 28-14, he yeah. would have done it. That that was so like on brand. He would get that tattooed on one on his left butt cheek yeah. and not tell anybody and just <laughs> like have a nice little happy smile to himself afterwards. I promise you, after that game, he was probably like, Okay, just do this for 20 more years. Yeah. And we're set. Amazing. No, that yeah, that's the quintessential or, or quintessential Jim Trestle uh score there. That's perfect. Yeah, you could substitute Akron for, uh, you know, Ohio or Toledo, yeah, Toledo. or Kent State yeah. or right. Bowling Green or any of them, but it's <laughs> always going to be 28 to 14, Eastern Michigan, any of them, any MAC team, 28 right. to 14. That's exactly how every season started. Uh, meantime, Urban opened with Miami, Ohio in 2012, and it was 55 to 10. They did get off to a slow start in that game before uh, really it got out of control i think braxton yeah. if memory serves had like a 60 yard run in the third quarter that kind of blew it open 28 to 7 or something like that so it started to roll a little bit but it was a little it was i think it was 21 7 something like that at halftime before it got away so ryan day will open saturday against fau a much tougher opponent than either trestle or meyer opened with fau has talent although yeah. oklahoma oklahoma drilled him a year ago they're kind of the you know, the program, the land of misfit toys a little bit. They've got a lot of transfer kids. They've got a lot of talent um, for the school, for the, you know, level of, of football that they play. I do anticipate this being pretty competitive, at least for a half. Um, what do you think about the idea of him opening, of Ryan opening with FAU? And of course, with FAU comes Lane Kiffin. That's right. You got Joey Freshwater. I, I think, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be, 
I'm with you. The big thing that FEU has is is talent, but particularly on the offensive side. Defensively, they've got a lot to to work on. They're going to be. I think that last year they were one of the worst defensive teams in the country. Yep. They're going to probably be that again in 2019. I, I think it's going to be sloppy. That's the other thing. I, a lot of people expect this well-oiled machine to come right out of the gate. You're, I think you're going to see some turnovers, and it may be close for a half. And I think Ohio State, you know, they're going to win. I'm not super concerned about that. But, um, it, you know, you look at a score like, you know, where Ohio State maybe scores 40, but they might also give up 28. And you're like, all right, well, that, you know, things might need to to be fixed or taken care of. I just see a sloppy game with some turnovers in the first half and and maybe not the this polished product that I think a lot of people are expecting. Yeah, I, I wish I could. Usually when we go into these and we, you and I have been doing this for a while and been around the program for a long time, usually yep. I've got a pretty good feel of what I think. It's gonna what what I think Ohio State's gonna look like, you know, like how they're oh, yeah. how they're gonna go about their business, or at least how they'd like to go about their business. Sure, I don't have a clue what this is gonna look like. Um, I, I think that you know if you if you say to yourself, well, Ryan Day at his best is Dwayne Haskins, but Justin Fields isn't Haskins. No, and if Urban is saying that you got to protect Justin and not let him get hurt and save that for Big Ten play, well, then that means that that's probably what Ryan's thinking as well, which means that you're gonna have Haskins throw it a lot. If you or not Haskins Fields throw it a lot, and if Fields throws it a lot, who you got talented receivers? So then you got to run it with somebody. It'll be J.K. But behind J.K., there is a it's a you want to talk about the quarterback situation behind Fields? It's the same with J.K. at running back, right. talent but completely unproven. And I don't think there's a workhorse back among them. I mean, I think um, Brian Seed kicked off the team and rightfully so for what 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 happened. But at the same ch- same chance, like he was supposed to be the guy and now they don't have that so there's a real lack of depth at at the two most important positions offensively and when it comes to putting points on the board which is quarterback and running back in this offense so I wish I could tell you like I think this is how this is going to look Saturday but Johnny I go into this with as big a blank slate as I can think of uh on a Buckeye football season yeah it's been a long time I honestly I don't think you can really compare this to anything uh before maybe like Jim Trestle, you know, took over because I think that that's the level of uncertainty. I think people are really going to have to kind of grapple with because, you know, Jim Trestle was a guy who had a lot of success at Youngstown state, uh, but you're going into Ohio state and taking over for Cooper. I think that level of, you know, unfamiliarity is something that maybe people should expect. Maybe they aren't already because a lot of people might just think, okay, well, this is going to be Ohio state's offense from last season. And it's not, I mean, you don't have the same personnel. You've got a guy with a different philosophy. And frankly, the the part that's probably going to really surprise a lot of people is what happens defensively. And I am really excited about that for a lot of reasons. I want to see what they've decided to do because I really feel that there's been a complete overhaul over the course yeah. of this past you know few months and it's it's going to look a lot different I, I i think they're going to be really basic but i also think they're going to do things like tackle dudes which will be nice <laughs> so yeah you know that's that, that's one of the things i look forward to so I, it's going to be a different team it's going to look a lot different it's going to feel a lot different but that's exciting that's fun because uh, you know that's what the soul of college football is the unexpected nature of it and when you have this kind of like template that you just adhere to every year it becomes a little predictable it's not as fun so this is a opportunity to really see a completely new ohio state team and i'm I'm down for it i think it'll be great you, you bring up some great points um offensively i think like I, you could probably say, say like what you would hope it looks like against michigan which is a little bit of braxton miller type oh yeah braxton, you know braxton 2013 with when he threw it, when he's a better thrower and they had, right. you know, Carlos and they had some guys who could make plays down the field. I mean, I think that was a really fun offense. And I think Justin Field has a lot of that. Urban said he's a four, four, three guy. That's burning. So I think, you know, ideally that's what that is, but you can't do that at the beginning of the year. The kid's going right. to get smoked. Um, defensively, everything I'm hearing, and when I say everything I'm hearing, 64% of it comes up, comes from James because he's able, Lauren Itis is able to watch some practices <laughs> and he's right. really excited about what he saw in these early practices that, that guys are the def- defensive players are allowed to react and make plays and they're not being forced to play up on the line of scrimmage. They're not slamming into the offensive line and trying to plug holes before holes are needed to be plugged. And so he feels like the linebackers are really going to thrive this year. And I'm with you. I mean, defensively, it is a loaded team. It should be the strength of the team. If not for yep. what we saw last year, defensively, you'd say, well, look, listen, if worse comes to worse, you can win some games, 
you know, the way Trestle won them, 28 to 14. Like you can do that early in the season with this defense because it should be elite. I mean, they got yeah. two top 15 picks and they got about another four or five kids who who look like they're going to be NFL draft picks in the next couple of years. So that are going to start. So there's a lot of talent there. Um, and if they if they put them in the right, if Madison and, and puts them in the right place and Washington gets the best of those linebackers, you like what you see. Um, so that's the big if. But again, these are enormous question marks. These are big things that we don't have answers to, um, which gets us to something that we always do on this show, which is what are the expectations? So what we try to do here is you set what you what we think is the minimum requirement, and then you judge the team off of that. So yeah. any year Urban was here after the first one, the, it was pretty simple. It was get to the beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, get to the BCS, or get to the playoff. And in the last year since the playoff has been around, it's been get to the playoff or bust. Like not interested because usually you have to beat Michigan to do that, and he beat them all the time anyway. So. I, I don't. I think this is a br- a blank slate a little bit when it comes to the expectations for Ryan Day. Um, it's it is an it is an extension of the Urban program, no doubt. They are absolutely loaded. The cupboard is full. These Urban has has taken it to a place where if you don't make the playoff, it's a bust. But is that fair in year one for Ryan Day? I don't think it is. Um, I don't have expectations of playoff, or it's a disappointment for Ryan Day in year one. I don't. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's it's going to be, I want to see improvement. I'm all about improvement. I want to see how the team evolves, but I am not a playoff or bust guy in, in 2019. But I am a guy who says that, you know, I want you to continue rolling against Michigan. I want you to hopefully play for the Big Ten Championship. And I, I you know, Ohio State has the talent to do both of those <clears> things. But, you know, as far as, you know, winning a national champion or anything like that, that's that's in the future. Um, and you've got some time with Justin Fields to, to accomplish that. But, you know, have, be coherent on offense and defense. Have yeah. a, you know, a system that works. Improve upon what happened last season, particularly on defense. And you're good. To me, that's what yeah. I want to see. If that means nine, you know, nine wins, I'm not going to be super stoked about that. But if I see improvement over the course of the season – that'll be all right. I would prefer 10 or 11 wins. I think the team has the you know talent and capability to do that. And I think that's really where they should be looking as a goal for this season. Yeah. I, I think 10 and two is, yeah. is where I'm at. Um, I mean, you've lost a game the last two years that you just, that it's, you can't even make sense of. So you, you feel like you, you could lose something like that. The schedule sets up very nicely for them, right? It's not ambitious. At all. Right. I mean, exactly. you, you big, I think Cincinnati will be a little tricky in week two, but then it's like, you know, everyone's pointing to Nebraska and maybe they go leaps and bounds, but that's, that's a team that was four and eight last year. Um, yes. And they do have talent I'm, I'm they're getting there, but I don't think they're that far there yet. Um, you get Michigan state here, which could be a challenge, but it's here. Um, I'm not crazy worried about Northwestern. I don't know if Wisconsin can throw it. Um, and so then it comes down, I think you're better than Penn state. And so then it comes down to Michigan. If Michigan doesn't get you this year, they're never going to get you right? right. Cause they have their offensive <laughs> line back. They've got Patterson back. They've got NFL receivers. They've, there's no reason Michigan doesn't get you this year. It's at their place. So you and, say, which tells me, which tells me both that they're not, that's the thing. That's what's yeah, hilarious about this where is you that come, you're where right. They, yeah. You're right. But all you, all that stuff you just said, basically, you know, I'm doing the math on my head. I'm like, okay, well, then Michigan's going to lose. So there you go. And mm-hmm. and that's, you know, so 10 and two, and, and I'm cool with that. And I think that's, that's the goal. That's the realistic goals and expectations that they should be looking at. Yeah. And I'm also like, so when I say 10 and two, like I wouldn't kill him if he lost to Michigan. No, like, I'm not going to kill him for that. Like eventually you have to lose that game yeah. um, <laughs> and you got a freshman quarterback and they've got, you know, a guy coming back. So I wouldn't right. kill him for losing to Michigan. If he goes 10 and two and one of the losses is to Michigan, and the other one's an upset loss to Cincinnati and you play in a BCS game. Okay. That's pretty <laughs> that's good. Fine. That's yeah. fine. Hey, look, you know, and again, I don't I, think that'll happen, but I I'm more open to expectations this year just because I, I just look at a lot of it. I see a ton of talent, but I see no depth at quarterback and no depth at running back. I mean, I'll, as I've said, the only, the only game that I really will be infuriated if they lose is Cincinnati. And that's, oh, yes. that's for personal reasons. Right. That's, that's right. for personal reasons. Honest to God, I would rather them lose to Lane Kiffin because that would be very funny in a way than lose to Cincinnati. If that's the, if that's the monkey Paul deal I have to take, 
I'll take it. I'm fine. Yeah. You win all of your other games, except you have to lose to either Cincinnati or FAU. Lose this FAU, period. Like, like I yeah. don't care. First game of the season, now oh, we're filling things out. I'm cool with that. Lose Cincinnati. I got to hear about it forever. So <laughs> let's please beat them. All right. That's all I'm saying. That, that's that is good. my biggest desire. Honestly, I am like more hyped about the Cincinnati. And that this will change in November. But right now, man, I am more hyped about that Cincinnati game than any game on the schedule, just because of the implications for me personally, and yeah. also because you've got the narrative with like Luke Fickle, and you know they're a team on the rise. It's it's going to be a pretty wild game, and I, I think people are sleeping on that one a little bit. Yeah, but I we'll, would, in due time, we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm not sleeping on it. <laughs> I, not yeah. at all. I think it'll be. I think it's be a fun game. Uh, be sure to visit Eleven Warriors Dry Goods shirts, hack, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.elevenwarriors.com. Coming up next. We speak with our good buddy, Dan Hope. Before we do that, though, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, we bring on our good buddy, Dan Hope, who I turned into a television star overnight a couple of years ago and uh, still love him dearly. And he's our, our chief writer on the Buckeye football front. Dan, thanks for the time. Let's just jump in with the biggest difference from a Ryan Day camp and an Urban Meyer camp. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I almost thought it was going to be a little more different than it was. It, it seems like he's really uh, stuck a lot to the infrastructure that we saw, you know, with Urban Meyer, even just coming down to, you know, first period being punt team and uh, a lot of those things. But, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of as we get into Saturday, uh, how, how different things might look. Are, are things going to have a distinctly different look? Uh, when we get into game action, because uh, we only got to watch, you know, 30 minutes of four practices. So that only gives us a little bit of a glimpse of, of what we might see from this Ohio yeah. State football team this year. But uh, come Saturday with a lot of new coaches, new defensive scheme, Ryan Day calling the shots, that's when we might really get a feel for, okay, this isn't Urban Meyer's team anymore. This is Ryan Day's team. How do you, how do you feel about the the kind of access and the things that you know especially with like injury reports ryan day's talking about like we're not going to discuss that that's not something that we're going to talk about kind of been some limited availability as you mentioned you know watching practice is what what is the impetus behind that do you think yeah it, it's interesting you know i i had noticed a few weeks ago that the uh, afca which is the american football coaches association they had put out a statement that said basically they don't think coaches should be commenting on injury reports that, you know, coaches agreed they're not the ones who are really qualified to be talking about injuries. So it was almost kind of like a national encouragement to not talk about injuries. And then uh, also recently, you know, the NCA had discussed the possibility of actually making injury reports mandatory and the NCA board of governors decided not to go that route. And the chairman of the board of governors now is Michael Drake, the president at Ohio state. So, <laughs> I don't really know. He's been very vague about that, but I, my impression is, is that most likely he talked to some people, whether those are people within the university or within the coaching profession, and came to this decision that we're just not going to talk about injuries anymore. Because in the spring, he, he mentioned injuries and it wasn't like that, but all of a sudden, it's like a switch flip. And even with the assistant coaches, if, if you even ask a question like hinting at an injury, they, they are very quick to say, uh, you got to ask Coach Day about that. So it's clear there's been a an edict through this program that we're not going to talk about injuries, and it, it's it's going to be interesting to see once the season starts and actual injuries happen in games, and we can see what happens to people. It's going to be interesting to see how much of that information leaks out if this is the policy they decide to stand on. Hmm. Interesting. The um, do you think Justin Fields can handle all this that's coming his way? I think he can, but I think the whole question is when you have that first loss or you have that first bad game, how do you react to that? Because he hasn't had to do that yet. You know, he's had to deal with uh, some backlash from Georgia fans this off season, and, you know, having to deal with uh, the situation that happened there that ultimately played a part in his decision to transfer. But uh, it's a different ball game when you lose a game uh, at Ohio State as the Ohio State quarterback, or you have a you have a bad game and the defense bails you out and the fans start coming down on you. So it's going to be interesting. He seems like a very level-headed person, which I think is a good thing. He, and that's even what the coaches say about him as well. He's the type of guy who never gets too high, never gets too low. He's also somebody who's been in the spotlight since he was in high school. 
he had a Netflix show. He was he was a highly touted recruit from the time he was, you know, 15 years old. So he's been in the spotlight. I think he knows what he's getting himself into. You don't really know until you really see that first adversity hit. But my feeling would be he, he knows what he's getting himself into. He's been in the spotlight, and he doesn't seem like the type of guy who is going to let it get to him too much. He seems like the type of guy who's going to be able to deflect it. Dan, one quick follow-up on that. The the other thing that's interesting is there isn't – I think you got to go back to probably prior uh, at Ohio State, uh, maybe Braxton his junior year, but even there there was something, you know, some quibbling that he couldn't throw it well enough, and even some Kenny Guyton stuff, if you guys remember that. Um, there's nobody behind him, which I think helps. You know, there's not a four or five star waiting in the – there's not Dwayne Haskin waiting in the wings staring over JT Barrett's shoulders. Like there's not someone for the fan base to call for. You know, when you have Urban saying what he said over the weekend, that the difference between him and the second and third guy is essentially the Grand Canyon. Um, you know, there's, I think that while Buckeye Nation doesn't have a whole lot of patience, I would think with Fields there would be because there is not an alternative waiting on the bench. That has to help. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I mean, I even remember last year when Dwayne Haskins is in the midst of the best season an Ohio State passer's ever had, and he had a couple slightly off games, and there's people saying, he can't run. We should give Tate Martell a yeah, chance. But right. <laughs> I don't, you're right. That quarterback does not exist this year. I, I, I don't think there's going to be people calling for Gunnar Hoke at the first sign of trouble. I think people understand <laughs> that this is Justin Fields' team. For better or for worse, this team is going to go as Justin Fields goes. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really it, – I don't know if it's really been talked about enough, the, the pressure – it's on this kid to perform because this is probably the most hyped a player ever has been coming into Ohio State before he's ever played a single game for Ohio State and he is the guy at quarterback period so it's all on his shoulders I think he can handle it and I do think it helps if there's not that guy behind him but it really is this season is going to go as Justin Field goes well yeah, I mean I thought you're going yeah the key part of that real quick the key part of that is is that he's got to play right away because Pryor had more hype, but he was coming into backup at the time, we thought, a first-team All-Big Ten quarterback in Todd Beckman. So you're right on that part, that in terms of hype and, oh, yeah, you got to play now. Yeah, go ahead, John. No, I was going to make a Chris Chuganoff joke, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, that, was not, that was not quality content. I was going to contribute. Um, <laughs> but I will say, so we were talking a little bit before, you know, you came on about expectations and whatnot. And it, one of the things that I always look forward to is just seeing how different units and different groups on the team uh, perform, especially against those expectations. Dan, is there any group or unit on the team that you think is going to be performing a lot different than what people expect, either for good or for bad? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, I don't necessarily know if there's one that I think is going to be significantly better or significantly worse. But I do think that, you know, the, the one that I perceive with caution on is the offensive line, because I do think that offensive line has the potential to be really, really good. I think they've got all the talent, but I think there's a lot of Ohio State fans particular who go, well, Isaiah Prince is gone. So the line's going to be better. And they've got one returning starter up front and a lot of guys who haven't played a lot of football up front. So I think they're going to be good. I also think there's probably going to be some more growing pains than people expect there. Uh, so that's kind of one that comes to mind for me in terms of, uh, I think they've got all the potential to be great, but you know, kind of like Justin Fields, I, I think you've got to probably expect some growing pains there considering the lack of experience. And I don't necessarily think that, People thinking when you lose four starters that that unit's going to be an upgrade right away just because the guys had more recruiting stars. A lot of times it doesn't work that way. So that's one I'm, I think I'm in a little more of a wait-and-see approach with that unit, whereas a lot of people are, are already uh, just thinking they're going to be great. You know, Dan, the interesting thing is, is we talk about, and we, we talked about this about a, a month ago, right at the start of camp. I said, I can't recall an Ohio State team that replaced four to five starters on the offensive line that had really no depth at quarterback or running back, none. Um, and is coming off a defense that was by Ohio State standards historically bad. And yet they're ranked fifth. And you look at the schedule and you go, okay, well, where are the losses going to come? 
So that's what I'll pose to you. Because one thing we're always big about, and we used to do this on the TV show, is let's set an expectation. And Johnny and I just did it. And I'm curious your answer to that question. Because when it was urban, it was get to the playoff. At the end, it was get to the playoff. And before that, it was win the Big Ten, BCS, get to a BCS. You know, that was the goal for urban. That was our expectation. What is it? What is it? What is your expectation for Ryan Day year one with some real question marks? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a part of me that definitely does think the expectation should be tempered because you're talking about losing someone who's going to go down as one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. And now you've got somebody who's never been a head coach before. Like you said, a ton of inexperience on offense in particular. And in a defense that's got a lot of experience, but really struggled last year. So I agree with all of that. I think, you know, there there's some question marks with this team. And I think that the possibility that this could be a team that's ultimately a, a nine and three team, I don't think that's something that people should rule out because I think there's a lot of question marks with it. But I also think Gene Smith said it the day that he hired Ryan Day. The expectations here at Ohio State don't change. And I don't think they change because I think you've still got the most talented roster in the Big Ten. So I think the goal is to win the Big Ten and to try to make the playoff. And I don't necessarily know that if you don't make the playoff, that makes this season a failure because I think you've got a lot of I think you've got a lot of questions and I think uh you know you you should expect some growing pains and probably a loss or two along the way, but I still think there's an expectation of winning the Big Ten and being and being in the thick of that conversation because you are an inexperienced coach and you do have some inexperience at key positions, but you still have all that talent that Urban Meyer recruited to Columbus. And it's one of the most talented teams in the country. So when you inherit that level of talent, you in turn inherit those expectations. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, with all these questions <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is, yeah, go 10 and two, beat Michigan. I mean, I, that's what I said. Johnny and I were kind of in that 10 and two range, like, you know, Tried to, and although I also said, Dan, I said, you know what? If they go 10 and two and one of the losses is to Michigan, like you got to lose to them at some point. I'm not saying that I want to, but at some point, if Michigan's going to be a real team, they have to beat you, right? Like you can't, you can't just beat him forever, you know? <laughs> at some point, he's got to win. And if, ever, if he doesn't get him this year, then he's never going to get him, right? If he doesn't get him now, never. That's kind of the way I view it. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't kill him for losing to Michigan. Um, you know, as the, as the way maybe you would other coaches, because I think at some point that the tide has to turn on that, at least for a year. Um, but it is tricky. I'll, t I'll get you out of here on this one because it's as, it's as clueless as I've ever been for what to expect in an opener. I don't know what this is going to look like offensively, defensively, so much newness. Um, do you, in your mind's eye, what does it look like Saturday? Well, you know, I, I think that, I think that it's a good opener to start with for the offense because it's not a team that should have a daunting defense. So I think it's a, it's a game where the offense can probably make some mistakes and should still be able to score a lot of points just because of the talent advantage that they have. So I do expect that Ohio State will probably score a, a lot of points. I also expect that Justin Fields will probably make a couple mistakes because he's a quarterback in his first start. And I don't think that people should panic as the first time he makes a mistake because even though this is a less talented team, he's a quarterback making his first start. Right. And then defensively, I, I, I think they're going to be very hungry. So I think, I think you're probably going to see def defenders that are trying to make plays on the ball that are, are trying to make a statement after what they've had to hear for the last eight months. But I don't see them shutting out Florida Atlantic. I still think you've got a new scheme that you're breaking in for the first time. I think Florida Atlantic's probably going to hit a couple plays. I mean, this is a team that's, that's been a good offense under Lane Kiffin. Uh, they've, they've got a few players on offense that are, that are significant playmakers. So I, I, I'm thinking something you know, along the lines of, you know, Ohio State scoring somewhere in the 40s and 50s and Florida Atlantic probably scoring somewhere between like 14 and 24 points. I think Ohio State will win by a significant margin, but I think Florida Atlantic will make some plays and you know, Ohio State will probably have a couple couple mistakes on offense as well. 
Going to be a fun opener. Appreciate your time, buddy. Look forward to reading you all week long, of course, on the site. Thanks, pal. Absolutely. Always happy to do it. One last reminder, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. A couple of quick hitters uh, as we get set to start the season here. Um, let's start with Michigan, and let's treat these all as stocks. So okay. do you want to buy this stock, or are you saying, nah, I'm good, I'm not buying this? Do you buy Michigan as a contender? Do you buy stock in Michigan football right now? Josh Gaddis coming in, new offensive coordinator, never called yeah. to play. Never called to play. Running right. some spread. Uh, a contender for what? Well, I mean, I think based on their a contender to become a rival for us again, like not as a okay. championship team or anything like that, okay. but a contender for the Big Ten. Yeah, I buy that. I look, they, you know, they have different yeah. expectations. Yeah, I mean, what Jim Harbaugh's record against top ten teams is like one in ten or something like that. I, it's something terrible. Um, so as far as a national contender, no, I don't buy that. As far as a big 10 contender, yeah, possibly if they, if they figure some things out and they avoid some really stupid miscues that they've made in the past, then yeah, they have the talent this year to be a big 10 contender and to, you know, to win the, uh, the, win the conference. But I just, you know, Jim Harbaugh for all of his, you know, some of his, like, I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people look at Jim Harbaugh and go, well, the guy hasn't succeeded and he hasn't won all this stuff. So therefore he's a terrible coach. He's not a terrible coach. He's a very capable coach, but yeah. he has shown some extreme weaknesses and some incredibly important parts of the game when it comes to coaching and tactics and things like that. And they've got to, they've got to come up with a solution, particularly in the second half of games um, on offense because a lot of times they have just been shut down for whatever reason the running game stops working passing game blows up in their face whatever they have the talent where that shouldn't happen and if it does then I don't know what else you're going to do with Harbaugh so talent wise yes they have the capability to uh, to make some noise and I, I buy that but they, they got to prove it to me first they, they you know I want to believe but yeah. they got to show it to me. I think he's got them basically where Carr had him before he was fired yeah, like the that's end of a really good comparison. That's an you know, like ninety nine to 06. Like that's yeah. basically what he has them at. That's pretty good. That's what they should expect. They're not us. They right. haven't been us. They've won one national championship in seventy years. They they don't have the the idea that they're entitled to that is nonsense. That they they don't have that. That's not their Agreed. history. You know, their history is leather helmets. You know, so that right. that's where all their glory is. So, um, to me, yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think. I was a little wrong thinking he would have the urban effect on them, but it was more my misread on the ability to sell Michigan than it was his inability to coach. Um, they haven't been able to recruit the same type of players. No. And, and so to me, he's on a, he's, he's very close to what Carr was, you know, for most of his tenure other than 97. That's, that's where he's basically got Michigan where they're knocking on the door contenders in, in the league and, Every once in a while, make a BCS game. The only difference is he doesn't beat Ohio State and Carr beat Ohio State. But at the end, he didn't. And that's why it ended up being the end of it. Um, let's go to this one. Penn State opens with Idaho this week. Um, James Franklin, I, I, to me, if he's got a program this year, they go, they win eight, nine games, nine, yeah. right on eight, nine, ten games. If he's got a program, that's what he does. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. Um, so when you think about <laughs> buying and selling Penn State, this is a critical year for them. Boy, uh, Honestly, I want to sell him. I, I think this is. I don't. I don't think anything really goes right for him this year. I. I I've been. You know, they. They just came out with the. I think there's a lawsuit that's going on in the background. Um, yeah, Larry doctor Johnson. who's suing that's over right. saying that Franklin was trying to force him to clear athletes. Yeah, and yeah. you know, Larry Johnson weighed in with a with a gift. So good job, Larry. Thanks for doing that. Uh, <laughs> helps us that. out. Uh, and I love Larry Johnson, but you know, whatever. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see it for them. I, I, I do not, I sell that stock because for me, for, it just feels like the team is underachieved for several years, years running. And yeah. I think this is the year where it just does, it kind of blows up in their face. Yeah. I, I probably am with you on that. Uh, it's sad because I, and he's recruited well. So if he can't yeah. win, it's, his, it's coaching because they have recruited well. They're typically in the top 10 in the country in recruiting since he's been there. So they should have a top 10 program. So, you know, you find out this year, I think, if he has one or not, because, it, you know, two really disappointing seasons back-to-back. Uh, -back. Last year and then the year before, the last year with Saquon Barkley, to not be better is, is, is pretty surprising. Last right. one for you, uh, the renaissance of the Big Ten West 
Are you buying? There's a lot of talk about how the Big Ten West is massively improved. We got about 18 teams ranked between 16 and 24 in the in the poll that are all Big yeah. Ten West teams. Uh, are you buying the the renaissance of the Big Ten West? Isn't isn't like the number 16 through 24 in the poll basically like a dice roll anyway? Like I no, like I, I would love to believe West. that means anything in August, but it, right. man. You you can just like you can seriously just throw a dice and and figure out who you want to be at that point. I look, I don't know who these teams are yet. You know, Nebraska, who was I think four and eight last season, is ranked, yeah. which cool. I mean, I love Scott Frost. I think he's a cool coach, but I don't know what that means. I I'm not buying at this point. I you know Wisconsin's got to prove that they can throw the ball. They there's just so many questions. I could go through every team. Every team has question marks, and I would love to pretend that they're answered in August, but they're not. And so I'm not going to yeah. buy that. Yeah, I, I I think you'll know when we go to Nebraska. Yes. Because I think all the rest of those programs have limitations, and yeah. the only one that that has a higher ceiling, like to me, Iowa, Wisconsin. Jeez. I mean, it's just there's just nobody out there that I think can have sustained success. Wisconsin's probably the best. Sure. Nebraska is the number one. Like they have the history, they have the funds, they have the facility, they have the coach. There's a ceiling there that is higher than everybody else in the West. And so they need to play, they don't need to beat us, but they need to play really well in that game at Lincoln. Again, they need to come into that game undefeated. They need to have college game day there, and they need to play us close in that game. If yeah. if if they do that, then I think Frost has it headed in the right direction. But if they get if they get run, he may never get it on track there because I don't know if you can recruit there. And well, he needs a win like that or at least a great game like that to prove that you can. The thing about the West is that you have to have a bell cow at some point. It can't just yeah. be a rotation of, you know, Wisconsin one year, Nebraska one year. Like, you can't – you've got to have a team that actually is a consistent threat because otherwise it just feels like a rotation of, like, B-tier teams that are never going to yeah. get any better than that. So unless you can sustain, you know, being the top dog a little bit, I don't see a, I don't see them as a threat. And that's, you know, it, it's a commentary maybe on where that group of teams is just going to be. But I just – you know, you've got to be able to sustain something, something. And I, I haven't seen that at all from that side no. of the conference. No, so. no, me either. Uh, all right. That was by our cell. We have some time for ask us anything. My friend, do you have any for us this week? We do. Uh, if you'd like to ask us anything, please send those in to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Let's start with our good friend Suncard. Suncard wants to know, um, with recruiting and championships being in Clemson's favor lately, are they the true king of the hill in college football now? Start that again. I'm sorry. I, did my, I just saw one of my children sprint by half half clothed 30 minutes past their bedtime, and I was distracted. Can you hit me again with that? Sorry. That's a fair distraction. Uh, yeah. So Suncard asks, with recruiting and championships being in Clemson's favor lately, are they yeah. the true king of the hill in college football now? Uh, well, if they beat Bama again, I, I think people are kind of sleeping on Bama a little bit if it's possible to sleep on a team that's ranked second in the country. But if you look at mock drafts, they've got like seven guys in the top 25 off next year for Alabama. Right. Um, and I think Lawrence was obviously incredible in the championship game, but it's not like leading into that anybody was going, this guy's you know, the, the greatest quarterback to ever play college football. So he had he came along as the season went along and he was spectacular in the Alabama game, but let's see what happens this year a little bit. To me, Saban's king of the hill. They 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 have reached to the point where they're right knocking on the door, but not to the level that Saban has yet. They're right there, though. They're clearly – they're one and one A, without question, and it's a pretty good-sized dip to Georgia and Oklahoma and us. I mean, we'd be yeah. the next three, but they they are they have separated. I think if Clemson wants to be top dog, they got they – got- Approve it for one more year. They they really because you know it's really easy to believe that Alabama is kind of like okay, well they had their run, they're done. But if you really look at the history of what they've been doing in the past, you know, decade or so, it's it's a couple years doesn't make for a, a you know to kill the giant. You really really got to like put them down. I just you know unless Clemson comes out and does the same thing again this season i don't know that you can still you know call on the top and again you know 1a and 1b that's fine but for there to be a clear leader you've got to do slightly yeah. more i think than what what clemson has done and granted you know what Davo has done over there and what they've been able to accomplish oh, is enormous but i think that really just speaks even more to what 
Saban has done, you know, in Alabama, which is just completely ridiculous. And I think without I, precedent, especially. I actually era. think like what Sweeney has done at Clemson is what I thought would follow after 2014. Really? Yeah. And with Ohio State. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I thought that saying. would be yeah. us. I thought that would be us. Like playoff every year, play for national championship, beat Bama, lose to Bama, beat Bama, lose to Bama. I thought that's yeah. where we were headed. Why do you think? Why do you think that didn't happen? Quarterback. Yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it. I love JT, but he just Clemson was not. Gets their quarterbacks, man. They get their quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. He just was not. He was not electric. He wasn't Deshaun Watson. Wasn't Tua Tungabailoa. He wasn't Trevor Lawrence. And you saw, you know, like when we played Clemson, you know, yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you could have got it. a couple of years of Dwayne Haskins, maybe it would have been different, um, you know. But that's and and you just you can't make sense of our losses like you can't make sense of losing to Purdue and Iowa the way we did. It makes no right. damn sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one here. This is from Andrew. Andrew wants to know what lesser known sports story, Ohio State or otherwise, would you like to see told in the format of a thirty for thirty documentary? Have you given it some thought? So you just hit me over the head with this. I don't want to answer. Yeah. Wrong. No. This so if you give it some thought, let me let me thought. consider. So I, honest to God, like. You know, and this is speaking as a person who I was just starting writing for the site and I was doing some of the the game day stuff because we didn't have beat writers yet. I would love to see a 30 for 30 for the 2011 season. I think that would be wild. Um, oh, God. Just, yeah, yeah, just because of the chaos that was going on, yeah, all the stuff with Urban Meyer yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um, and we talked earlier about Urban Meyer hanging over, you know, like last season and potentially this season. Well, about 2011, right? Like, yeah. I just... So I think that would be an amazing one. And especially given what happened with the emergence of Braxton Miller, I, you know, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. I would be a big fan of, of seeing, you know, of kind of a 30 for 30 style breakdown of 2011. So the best ones of these uh, usually have a little bit of triumph, a little bit of drama, some devastation, all of that. Mm-hmm. To me, if you could go from, um, if you could start um, the day that Braxton Miller is injured in practice, Oh man. Go through the 14 season through Cardell's. Well, that's probably, that's more like a series. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the other of, thing though, you know, he did specify Car- lesser known. So, I mean, yeah. So you go through, then you go through. So like you follow Braxton's view of 2014. That would be cool. Into Cardell Jones's view through the championship at the ESPYs begged to return to Ohio state does return to Ohio state. Wins the job, benched, lost to Michigan State, like that, because that I I can't. I don't even. I can't even wrap my head around what that would must have been like. I would actually say even. It's like the tale of two quarterbacks. But if you wanted to do one on the 2014 season and just kind of do like a like a Rashomon thing, right, where you've got one, like tell it, do it in three sections. All like each section is the entire season, one through the eyes of Braxton, one through the eyes of JT, and one through the eyes of Cardale. I think that would yeah. be a really interesting 30 for 30. Well, because it, when you think about it, like those two guys were men without a country. Braxton Miller was wearing like designer suits on the <laughs> right. sidelines in the That's playoff, right. and JT yeah. Barrett, he felt like it, JT felt like it was his team and it was Braxton's program. Neither one were yep. playing. JT's on that scooter, and yeah, and it was Cardale <laughs> who got all the glory, who was you know left to wither in the wind six months previous right he was almost off the team yeah crazy so i think that would be fascinating and you know ohio state's got all kinds of just i mean for something as massive as it is you're always going to find any kind of just little crazy thing like you talk about yao smith right like a walk-on who's like a thorpe award finalist and all that like you you know really crazy stuff like that is fun to get into uh let's do one more we've got a couple in our backlog but i just want to you know we'll, we'll we'll get through them in good time this is from jimmy a Jimmy wants to know, is Estratus Aquino uh, the next Babe Ruth, or should we settle for Mike Trout-level production? Uh, for those of you not aware, he's, he's with the Reds. He's the Reds. trillion home runs. Um, <laughs> uh, and he says, really, though, who is your favorite randomly awesome small sample size athlete? Would Kenny G fit this description? <laughs> Mine would be, and it's probably the doppelganger for your guy in Cincinnati, would be Yasiel Puig. Yeah. I grew up a Dodgers fan, and Puig came out. He, I mean, he was the wild horse. He burst on the scene like a comet. He's hitting 400. He was jump. He was Bo Jackson in the field. He had an arm like a rocket. It was all these things. Um, and then he just never proved. He's still electric. He's fun as hell to watch. Reds fans oh, are yeah. enjoying him. Indians fans are enjoying him now. But he's not like I had people tell me. Like baseball people told me 
that they thought he was going to, that he was going to have like um, the impact, that, like, a, like from an athletic standpoint that he was Bo Jackson, that he'd have that type right. of impact and that that hasn't happened, you know? Um, but he had a lot like what your boy in Cincinnati had in terms of burst on the scene. Well, I mean, if he keeps it up, I mean, he's going to have like 700 home runs in like four or five seasons. So that's going to yeah. be pretty legit. Uh, <laughs> I would say, okay, so here are my two. I thought about this. I really, really like this question. Number one is Jeremy Lin. Uh, really like the Lin sanity was freaking amazing. Watching that dude like drop, what, like 30, 40 points. Just seemingly this dude completely out of random uh, kicking ass is, was really hilarious to watch i watched as many of his games as i could during that run he had um and it was it was great nobody knew how to handle him they couldn't defend him it was it was pretty fun to watch second one and this is really near and dear to my heart i think one of the first baseball games i ever watched was a marlins reds game or at least one of the first games i remember uh i probably i'm sure i went to games before that because i know i went to games before the marlins were a franchise but one of the first that i remember um was marlins reds and charlie huff was the pitcher <laughs> do you remember charlie you know charlie sure. Huff, right yeah knuckleballer okay. he was like 68 yeah yeah hundred thousand years old mm-hmm. uh you know like is wheeled out to the pitcher's mound. he won that game by the way uh which is amazing r.a dickey winning the cy young as a knuckleballer uh again out of nowhere and in true knuckleball fashion falls off the planet afterwards um i i love that just mm-hmm. you look at his stats for that cy young season and it's hilarious. It's because he's throwing a knuckleball. It's one pitch. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with it on any given night. And he wins a freaking Cy Young with the most un- like stupidest pitch in baseball and the best pitch in baseball. Yeah. Um, he's throwing it like 84 miles an hour, some stupid speed. It was just fun as hell to watch. I watched every R.A. Dickey start I could. Um, and really, every knuckleball start you should watch because it's, yeah, it's really a, a precious gem. But R.A. Dickey and Jeremy Lynn are my two choices for that. <laughs> Both so, of those are great, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right, so uh, please continue, continue sending those in. We'll continue answering them. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to you at those next week after High State hopefully beats, uh, you know, our good yeah, friend uh, Joey, Joey Freshwater. Or Jerry yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we'll, I got we'll, so we'll to book in the podcast with the freshwater joke. So that's very good. We, much appreciated. Going to be fun. I I'm, just can't wait to see this team play Saturday to see what it's all about, see what it's made about and see how Ryan Day goes about his business. We'll be back here next week to break it all down. Until then, my friend, have a good week. Yep. See you next week.